Uh, well, it was wide, like, you know. I don't know how many thousand people were, <laughs> were here. I'd say every one of them thought it was wide except the umpire. But anyway, sure, look, that's what happens when you, you know, when you weigh grounds, you don't tend to get breaks. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Cathy McNamee is with us. We're going to speak with Gilly Flaherty in a moment. Cathy, we wanted to talk about the WSL transfer window. We were hoping, I mean, maybe if you're an Arsenal fan, you're not hoping, but we were hoping that Katie McCabe <laughs> might get a move. It didn't happen. Uh, yeah, that was a very stressful 24 hours in Kathleen's life. I, it went from Katie McCabe might be leaving Arsenal to we might be signing Alessio Russo. And I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel like this. Throw in Arsenal signing Flippin Jorginho in the middle of it all as well. And it was just, it was a roller coaster. Um, I don't think that Katie leaving Arsenal is necessarily to go to Chelsea is a great move. And I'm not just saying that as someone who supports the club. I think Chelsea is an interesting squad. It's very packed already. She admittedly, she hasn't been playing as much at Arsenal the last couple of games. And I don't know, was this like a little bit of a shot in the arm to Jonas Edeval saying, you know, <laughs> I, I could leave and then you are very much struggling. But uh, even the money that was being talked about, like, I think she's worth a lot more than that and could have gone for a lot more than that. So if you listen to this week's episode of Koi Gig, Emma Byrne did a bit of sleuthing and it seemed to be that <laughs> it was never really on the cards, that maybe there was a bit of, you know, a bit of chash and a bit of questioning over it but I don't think it was actually going to happen Chelsea mind games possibly but I mean like you're not going to sell Katie McCabe to Chelsea either like it's the same reason why United didn't sell Alessia Russo to Arsenal you're giving one of your best players one of the top players in the league one of the most consistent performers to want like your arch rivals it just wouldn't make any sense whatsoever especially with the amount of injuries that Arsenal have at the moment and the fact that the squad isn't that deep compared to Chelsea like Chelsea could easily put out two starting teams and they would be fairly like high performing teams Arsenal don't have that sort of resources so it would have been a very strange move from them especially the fact there's still a year and a half left on her contract you know it's not like she has six months left and maybe they're trying to cash in or something um, so yeah I think it was something that was just kind of questioned but she, she's there for the time being and hopefully this does mean more playing time for her Alright Jilly Flaherty is with us Jilly good morning to you how are you? Good morning We were talking about Katie McCabe there what was your take on that whole uh, mm, what are we uh, saga, saga? Is it, has it, reached, it hasn't quite reached saga <laughs> stage yet but it's getting there yeah, I mean, it was it was released uh, quite late, um, about like half ten, I think, Saturday night. So we, uh, we I spoke about it on a podcast I do on a Monday, and it was just obviously a lot of us were ready to go to bed, if not people out partying, and they get this news in, um, and it was just out of the blue completely. I know, um, obviously, Katie's still got eighteen months left of her contract, um, but it's just I know. Uh, a left left back, left wing back is something that uh, Chelsea have really struggled to replace. Um, I think since losing Claire Raffi when um, she retired a few years back, I don't think that they've ever really had an out and out left wing back, if that makes sense, or a left back. I mean, they've got Magda Eriksson at the moment playing there, who's she's not a natural left back. Um, she's a centre back doing a job. And obviously, then you've got Jess Carter. And Neve Charles both switching flanks who neither, um, are left backs either, like left footed. So yeah, I think, uh, obviously they probably highlighted Katie as a, a target in that sense because obviously of what she offers. But yeah, obviously I think we've still 18 months left to go. Um, 
And it was just so random, I think, how close it was to the end of the transfer window closing just to, to come out of the blue. Normally in women's football, you have a little bit of a hearsay, a little whispers happening beforehand, but no one had heard anything except just this random <laughs> um, launch on a Saturday night. It did seem like one of the more random transfer windows that I've ever experienced. Even the Alessio Russo to Arsenal links, like that came quite late on in the transfer window as well. The Beth England deal initially, I think that surprised everyone, you know, even just the amount of money that she went for. Do you think it's shown a bit of a, I don't know, it feels like there's been a bit of a culture shift in women's transfers and it's been slowly building, but it seems to be this transfer window, it's really coming to the fore. Yeah, no, massively. And I think I was on Sky Sports News yesterday doing deadline day um, for two hours. And obviously it was just even there as a, a former player now sitting there and having the WSL spoken about on Sky Sports deadline day um, and the figures that are being thrown around for obviously Alessia Russo. Like I never in my wildest dreams thought that would happen whilst I was still even involved in football. Um, and again, I think, in regards to the Beth England one, I think a lot of people knew she had to leave in regards to obviously the World Cup coming up. Um, she needed to get minutes. I didn't think that fee would have been linked to Beth though, in all honesty. Not that I don't think she warrants it, but I just think obviously we're talking about the likes of Peniel Harder coming in for around about a similar figure and obviously Sam Kerr and I just never... It's nice to see an English player being linked to that um that amount. So I see, yeah, I think I think that signing had to happen. I just didn't think the fee that would come with it would link with it. But I think obviously the other like Jordan Nobbs who left Arsenal needed to play minutes. Obviously a lot of these girls are seeing the World Cup coming up. Um and know that they have to, especially with England and Serena, they know that they have to be playing to be in contention. So yeah, but it's, it's fantastic for the women's game um, to see the prices being thrown around that they was because, in all honesty, five years ago, you, ten years ago, you would, would have dreamed of something like that. The Alessia Russo deal didn't happen in the end, but there was, again, it, strong reporting that two world record bids were made for her. What do you know about that? And um, should we just expect these clubs to start selling players to each other in a way that hasn't happened previously, but actually because this is you know, because there's so much money in the league that there's not really many other markets for them to shop in. So that's just the way of it now. Yeah, like, we was, I was sitting talking about it last night and I just said it's a, it's a catch-22 situation really for Man United because they could, obviously Alessia's out of contract in six months' time, so um, they could lose her for free. So they've, they've had offers of contracts and they've had negotiations and they haven't got anywhere. So... I know they're they're probably hoping to keep hold of her to get into the Champions League this year, which is obviously something that they've targeted the last few seasons and fell short. Um, obviously, they're doing they're doing really well at the moment in the league, um, and obviously, unless that drastically happens, it'd be tough for them to mo- lose out on Champions League. Um, but you're being offered. I heard that the final figure was around five hundred thousand mark for a player. Um, you're you're taking the risks that you're hoping and banking on that use qualifying for Champions League is going to be enough to keep Lesia. If not, and she does go, then you've got to really take the hit of the 500,000. But then probably hoping that with getting into Champions League, that that's a big enough attraction to bring players in if Alessia does go. Um, so I think it's a difficult one for Man United. I said yesterday on Sky that me as a player, if I'm in that dressing room, and we're going for 
Champions League and we're, we're at the top of the table and we're having a fantastic season and the club then go and sell our number one striker, for me, I'm looking at that and thinking, well, what's your, what's your ambitions? If, if this is where we're at now and you still would consider selling her, you either got to bring in a replacement or you're just telling us really that you're not really, you're hoping that what we've done is enough and that, not saying that Man, the rest of Man United players aren't good enough to get him into the Champions League, but Alessia Russo is their number nine. You know, she's their main player. Um, so yeah, so, but uh, again, the link of 500,000 to an English player as well. And I just said, I don't know why another top English player, will, a club would sell to another club. Obviously, Man United sell Alessia Russo to a direct rival of Arsenal. They're Arsenal obviously blind at the moment, but they're battling in with each other. So are you basically just feeding another team to be successful? But I think obviously the difficult point yesterday was the fact of Alessia's only got six months left of her contract. It, it is more awkward as well, Julie, mid-season. Like in January, I know yourself and uh, Kitty Chapman moved, moved from Arsenal to Chelsea in, in January, I think it was as well. But it makes it more awkward for the big clubs when you're selling right in the middle of a season, especially when you're when you're going for the title against that club. Yeah, and obviously when me and uh, Katie left, obviously we was in a different league. So mm. we went in the January, but obviously we was in the summer league. So I, I personally would never... I find that quite hard to leave a club, I think, um, mid-season anyway. Um, but yeah, it is. It's like, it's, it's normally the Jan- January transfer window is really quiet for women's football. Um, I said, normally in this window, you'll get a lot of free contracts, um, or free agents. Like you get a lot of players from the Scandinavian league come over because they're out of season. Um, so it's their end of season. And then you'll tend to get American players come over because the NWSL is just starting back up now, but. That ends at the end of the, obviously, like October, November time. So then normally players who are coming in in January get through then. Um, so normally you don't really see really an English player to another English or an English club, pl- club sell to another English club. Um, but obviously there's been quite a lot of movement this window. And I just think it's exciting for the women's game. Like obviously we know that there's going to be a lot of transfers that happen at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, I think. Obviously, for it to happen in January, and and the men's football have it, the buzz and that of the the January transfer window, and it was a uh, yeah, it was nice to be a part of it yesterday um, with the women. Yeah, I was away for the last couple of days and like not checking my phone or Twitter or anything for all the final deadlines, which is why some of these like the Russo McCabe ones came like such a shock to me. But it was so nice. I was sitting in a pub and like Sky Sports deadline day was on, and I could just follow everything that was happening. Like that was how I was being updated by. The tra- about the transfers and like whenever the Russo thing fell through they went with like a big breaking news and it was just so nice being like oh this is the normal now it doesn't actually make a big difference you know we can report on these things equally and it's not taken away from either side and even having people like yourself on it as well Jilly it was great for you what was the smartest signing of this transfer window like, I think Aston Villa have done particularly well with some of the signings they've brought in uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think Aston Villa, I think with obviously um, Stanley Forth coming in and Jordan Nobbs, um, obviously you're looking at that midfield with them two and Kenza Daly. Um, and I think you're looking at their results, obviously, with a, a great draw against Man City. Um, and I think, I wouldn't say the pressure's on them there to get further up the table, but obviously the last couple of seasons they've finished a lot lower and still made decent signings. I think now obviously as the season goes on this season and going to next, there's going to be real pressure on them 
to to move up for, up the table with their signings that they've got. Um, but I think Tottenham as well. Tottenham obviously getting Beth England, um, Iwabuchi as well, a fantastic midfielder. Um, again, two great signings for me with Tottenham. Now I'm worried more defensively. Um, I don't. That's not that I say I don't think their defense is good enough, but I just think sometimes teams want to strengthen to move further up the table and sign forwards and sign midfielders, but don't necessarily look at their back line um, and strengthening that. So, yeah, I think obviously that side, I think obviously Liverpool getting Tash Dowie yesterday on loan. Um, I know obviously playing there previously that they've got a great setup and a great team, but it's just obviously the goals and the creating the chances that have let them down. So, I think obviously Tash going there, you know, she's a proven goal scorer at this level. Um, and I think she'll be a huge help in pushing them further up the table. The Liverpool stuff is very interesting as well, Jilly. Uh, Leanne Kiernan's injury, uh, notwithstanding, that's something that I guess we're keeping a, a close eye on uh, over here. Um, you would have played alongside Neve Fahey as well. She probably one of the more marketable Irish players at the moment. And the fact that she's the Liverpool captain, you, like, what, what would she like to play against? What are the biggest strengths in her game that, uh, that you would have known from playing with her? Uh, both of them two are great girls. Um, but yeah, Neve, obviously I played with Neve at Arsenal when we was there. Um, I then played with her at Chelsea. Um, and then yeah, to go back and play alongside her for the last six to eight months, like she's just, uh, I'd say she never ages. Like she's, um, <laughs> she's just such a, a senior pro and she just does the good things well. You know, she's not, I think obviously she understands coming back up to this league, the, the quickness of it, the, the way the league has changed obviously since being down in the championship with Liverpool, but she's just so clever. She's in the right places at the right time. She keeps it simple. She leads the team well. Um, centre of forwards um, can't cope with it because she gets so tight to them and don't give them the respect and let them turn. Um, and that's that's what you want. But yeah, fantastic girl. And obviously Leanne Kidd, and I know she's had a little bit of a setback Um but again, she's going to be huge both for Liverpool and for Ireland going forward. So the quicker she can get herself sorted and get back onto the pitch, the better it will be for everybody. We're here in February for that. Is that right? Is that what you're hearing? Yeah. That would be good. I think so. Plenty of time to bang in some goals and advance the World Cup. Mm. And yeah, just get up to match fitness again as well, which would be great. Um, Sorry, go on, Cathy. No, I was just going to ask you Julie, um, a little bit about, we obviously saw yesterday that Liverpool are interested in buying back Melwood after selling it in the first place. And I know Matt Beard has talked a lot about, you know, there was some questions over why the women didn't just join in on the new men's training ground. But he said very specifically that they wanted somewhere separate, especially so that they could house academy and under 21 players. What do you think about the the way it's progressing? I think he said like 2023, end of 2023 was kind of around the time that they were hoping to have something set in place specifically for the women. Yeah, I mean, when I saw, um, I saw it because Jamie Carragher tweeted about it, but I just thought, I didn't know if it was just him having a laugh or if it was genuine because obviously there was no real thing about Liverpool men in the, in the transfer window. So I thought he was just putting it out there to go as a bit of a banter. Do you know what I mean? So... Then obviously then when Liverpool done a statement on it and that, then obviously then I realised it was actually legit. But yeah, I think the women deserve their own place, you know. Um, they're obviously they're currently sharing with Tranmere um, at the moment. But I know that the vision of the club and they they want their own place. They want a place to call home. Um, and again, I think the good thing is with Liverpool is that they're not just in it for the short term. Obviously, I think Liverpool men have learned from 
obviously previously when Liverpool women got relegated and they were saying that there weren't much support for the women's team and obviously Klopp come out about it and, and Liverpool then um, obviously got back behind the women and, and really supported them. And obviously just in my short time there, the, the support was fantastic and anything that I needed personally, I had um, I had access to. So, yeah, I think for the club, they obviously have a long-term vision. It's not that they're thinking they're going to come up to the WSL and and that be it and see you later, get on with it. There is a real term, long-term vision there to to build their own place. Um, they're, they're really big on the academy and the youngsters and the beardy especially wants to be a manager that brings a lot of young players through. Obviously, you've got like Hannah Silcox, Silcox there. You've got Zara Shaw coming through. Um, who's a 16-year-old playing way above her ages. Um, so they're really big on youth, which I think is fantastic. And you're looking at, obviously, the other clubs in the league, a lot of them have their youngsters coming through and there's no reason why Liverpool can't do the same. But again, as a professional outlet now, um, things that might have been able to get away with before or standards that they might have been able to have before, that's not the case now, you know. And there's so much, I think, scope inside the women's game. Obviously, you're looking at, like, last season when... Birmingham players come out about the standard that they had at their training ground and the facilities and what they got offered. Like players won't stand for it anymore and they won't accept it. Um, and so, yeah, but I think it's exciting for Liverpool women. I know there's been a bit of delay and I was hoping for it to be sorted. Um, but I think they come across a few complications. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic news and hopefully sooner rather than later. Julie, great stuff. Thanks for joining us this morning. Cheers. Thank you. OTB. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.